to Single Moms on Film. I'm Jen McGuire, author and retired breeder of four big grown men. And I am here with Bernie Rutke to discuss the movie Babadook. Um, it was Bernie's recommendation. She is a, uh, an Australian horror film writer, I believe, and uh, just loves the genre. And she's also a single mom like me. Welcome, Bernie. Hi, Jen. How are you going? I'm going well. How are you? Really good. Thank you. So, Bernie, why don't we talk a little bit about what initially got you into the realm of horror? And um, yeah, let's just start there, because I think the whole single mother element really, boy, did it open my eyes with uh, this movie that it was truly one I had not seen before. And I'm so glad you recommended it and suggested we watch it because wow it uh it was really something so so go for it okay well i'm really glad that you got something out of it um oh. <laughs> uh, so i have really liked horror from a young age um as many people in the horror genre have and for me it's really about being insatiably curious um, you know, I, I love science and I love writing and I love art and I love philosophy and physics and everything. But to me, to get to the bottom of a horror story or a horror monster or a terrible person is really to say, what is it to be human and what is it to exist? And to get to the bottom of those questions I think is something that we're always going to be searching for and mm -hmm. being insatiably curious really pairs well with that. I think so. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's so true because, you know, I've certainly watched horror movies before against my will almost oh. every single time. You know, I think the first horror movie I watched, I was in uh, high school and I had a fella who was interested in dating me and we were friends and he came over and we watched The Exorcist together. And I went to Catholic school as a kid. And that was, that was a whole, I was absolutely terrified. And I realized he had, he had nefarious reasons for getting me to watch that movie. He said, maybe you just need me to sleep over. Uh, you know, I know. So he, he was a real trickster. Um, Naughty. I know, thank you. And I was like, absolutely not. Uh, I'm gonna get my, wake my brother up and make him sleep on the floor of my bedroom instead. Uh, that tells you everything you need to know about the kind of teenager I was. Very cool. Um, but it's so true. Like I, I know any horror movies I've watched since, I've been so sort of fascinated by how desperately I want everybody to st stay happy in the beginning. You know, like it, it makes me realize that like, because you know something bad's gonna happen, you're just rooting for everybody to, it's, it's to stay living their either happy lives or, or whatever. And you're right, it really does open up this whole door of uh, possibility that it, you can really, anything can happen. And uh, it's in some ways, I just, I'm going to make a real leap. It is a little bit like being a single mom, I think, um, you know, because it's, it's a whole other world. And, um, you know, I know you are a single mom of how old's your daughter again? She's eight. She's eight. So you've got one little eight year old and I myself have four big grown sons. Mine are 27, 25. Oh my God. I'm going to get this wrong. 22. Jesus. And 21. You can do it. I can do it. I did it. 
I did it. It's like when people ask me for their names and birth dates, if you're doing anything for the government and there's four of them and it feels like I'm on jeopardy and then I'm going to get caught <laughs> getting it wrong. Can because we I'm be like, honest though? Yes. You raised four boys yeah. to adulthood. Yeah. And they're not in jail. They're normal-ish. I think they're kind of nice. I would even go so far as to say. And, but I, this movie actually really reconnected me with what the actual day-to-day -day of raising those boys felt like. Like it was actually quite hard to watch uh, on some level because it it felt so massively real. It felt so incredibly uh, true. Um, you know, it's definitely going to err on the side of uh, one of the more realistic, I think, which is which seems in a little out of bounds because it is a horror movie, but it really did. It really felt very, very real. So um, why do you want to give a little bit of a, the, do you want me to do the, uh, give a little bit of the background of the Babadook or, or I can do it or you can do it? Go for it. Okay. So the Babadook came out in 2014. It was directed by Jennifer Kent and it stars Essie Davis as Amelia, um, a mom who was widowed very tragically as her husband was driving her to the hospital to welcome her son Samuel who is played brilliantly by little Noah Wiseman I cannot get over that kid like I can't get over how angry I was at him for half the movie I was so mad at him and I fully believed him like they were they were both I mean everybody in the movie was fantastic but Essie Davis and Noah Wiseman in that movie I fully believed she was his mother and I fully believed he was a, a really unique kind of intelligent, but sometimes I find in movies, they can make a kid almost too smart, you know, and they, in, in this really didn't feel like that. Like he really felt like a little seven-year-old boy. So she's been raising him on her own since he was born, obviously. And she very clearly has PTSD from that. Um, from losing her husband the day her son was born. And um, they're living alone in this, in the house that I gathered was her house with her husband because the neighbor remembers her husband. And she finds this book called Mr. Babadook. And she reads it to her son and essentially when she reads that book to her son who has this real fascination with horror and with monsters coming and attacking and and you know he's forever making these little uh, weapons and that kind of thing but when she does read that book it does let something in and yes. that's and it's the babadook and and also by the way i've now said it twice and i'm like is, is something going to appear behind me like now i'm <laughs> No, no, this is not Candyman. No, it's not Candyman. You're right. Hey, Mary. No, um, you know, don't, say that. don't say either one of those things again. No. <laughs> you had your you one chance. Book. You just, <laughs> that's right. And um, yeah, do you want to explain a little bit more about it? Because I've been, you know, talking. No, look, I think you've done a great job. I think, you know, the heart of this movie is really about that, um, that trauma that um, Amelia is going through because she's gone through this situation where she's been pregnant and she's been in what we 
gather is or what she's remembering as a really wonderful loving supportive relationship mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. in you know a matter of hours would be a fair estimate yeah she's suddenly lost her other half her husband she's gained a child yeah and we have this situation where she's not able to process either the trauma of the death of her husband or the trauma of birth, which, as we all know, some mothers come out of it completely fine, no Absolutely. trauma. But there, yeah. there are so many mothers and so many children who have birth trauma. Yeah. And then you have the literally breath by breath demands of a newborn. Oh, oh yeah. And that's uh, so in, in this, you know, Samuel, I think, is just about to turn seven, actually. I think that's the, the yes. sort of timeline for the movie. And one of the first scenes in the movie uh, really got to me because I had I co-slept with my kids, uh, not by choice. They just, you know, I was on my own with them from the time my youngest was two and my oldest was nine. So it became this sort of weird safety thing where. They just needed, they needed me physically in a way that Amelia is needed by Sam all the time. And he's sleeping with his little arms around her neck. And it actually almost made me feel claustrophobic immediately. I remembered that feeling where he's got his feet, where she can't sort of move herself. And they're these little tiny people, but they feel like they're bigger than a house. And I, that was my immediate I was right in right there with her because you know you're just sort of going through the motions and that's one of the things I think that that really struck me was that she's doing everything quote unquote right. Yes. You know she's she's checking the closets when he comes in when she does actually get a minute to herself and screams at her that there's something under the bed and there's something in the closet and she checks everything and she reads him a story and she lays down with him and you can just see that she is not there. You know, she's, she's not there. She's so exhausted and she feels so isolated from everybody else's experience. And that I think, oh, what a fantastic portrayal of what it can actually feel like to be a single mom. Absolutely. Have you heard about still face syndrome? No. Still face syndrome is something that has uh, gotten a little bit of traction lately and it's where um, mums are so overwhelmed that they're not able to emotionally respond to their children, mm. even if they're busy being physically responsive, verbally responsive, they're not giving any facial cues because they're exhausted or traumatized or um, they're having, uh, you know, challenges with their mental state. And I, when I rewatched this for today, I was watching Essie Davis's face mm -hmm. and she did an incredible job of portraying still face syndrome. And that is actually exactly right. I have so many notes about her face, about how she she's not emoting at all and she's just going through the motions. And I can absolutely see, I, I would think if I looked back and looked at pictures of me with my kids, there were certain times when I... I, I definitely uh, had still face syndrome. I, I remember actually at one point I was working in a restaurant and I think, I mean, there wasn't a phrase for it back then. Um, and I'm really glad there is now because it, it really, I think that's so, 
hugely helpful. Um, but I remember I was working in a restaurant and one of my managers came up to me and asked me if everything was okay at home. And it, and it, it just it, like, well, of course it wasn't okay at home. It was a lot of work. I was working two jobs and I had four little kids and shockingly that was not easy. And uh, she said, you've stopped making eye contact with people. And she said, I think, and this is almost unheard of in restaurants, but she said, I think you should take a couple of days and we're going to pay you. And I think, yeah, that never happens. But she was raised by a single mom herself, this, this manager. And she told me at the time, I remember, you know, when my mom was younger and she just stopped connecting. And she told me about this afterwards, after I sort of regrouped, really, uh, you know, shockingly, the two days did not fix everything, but it was, but actually being seen and re and having somebody say like, you're not connecting anymore. You know, I was, I'm a pretty friendly person and you've stopped looking at people and you've, you've really shut down and it, oh, it's still face syndrome. And that's the thing that I really saw in Amelia that she is, she's doing the right things. She's reading him his story and she's, you know, when he gets in trouble at school, she shows up for him and she is a dead woman walking, you know, in some ways she's just walking around and it, even when a few people do try to help her, she's, she can't see it, you know, because there are some people in the movie, I have to say that one scene, we're skipping around a bit, but the one scene when she goes to her niece's birthday, and there are those incredibly privileged women who talk to her about, one of them I think says, I do volunteer work with disadvantaged women and they would probably really understand you. And the thing is, it's this whole distancing thing. And then she turns around and talks about her own personal trauma of having to be alone with her children for a couple of days when her husband was away. And, you know, I couldn't even go to my, I think it was a yoga class or something. And she, and then of course, Amelia is like, oh, poor you, you know, how, how do you, how did you possibly survive? But and she's the one everybody's uncomfortable with it uh you really made you think about your own experience that would be great yeah oh look it's it's the same as you you know when you have a, a little person um i have been on my own with my daughter since she was 10 months old mm. um yeah so little little person and um uh, it was a, a very challenging time for you know, myself and her father and her, all three of us. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very, very difficult separation for all of us. And, um, you know, it's so hard in that situation to get any rest. Yeah. And when I watch this movie and I see Amelia and she is constantly being touched or needed mm -hmm. or having to be in three places at once or she's got a kid who is completely fearless yes and yes. she do not discourage that but also discourage that yeah um <laughs> you know it's yeah. that that speaks to me so much because my little girl is fearless and I absolutely love that in her and yeah. I do my best to, cause she's going to need it when she's older, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but at the same time, 
she's fearless, but her brain hasn't fully formed yet. So it's sort of, you know, like when that catches up, that's going to be great. And I see why you wouldn't want to discourage that. But for now, she's eight. And yeah, there's safety stuff, you know. That's it. So it's like, okay, you can be fearless, but here are the rules around you being fearless. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I see that in Amelia where she's got this kid who is so brave and so loving and so desperate to be with oh, her yeah. and protect her and is just in some ways it's this terrible situation where all the love and all the protection and all of that you know wanting to show her how wonderful he is pushes her away because she's either got to be at work or with him or handling some other crisis and even her work because she works in a long-term care facility so she's working with um, people who really need her and aren't I think there's a real combination of people who need her and don't appreciate her, you know? So I think that's the thing. And when you're with your kids, you know, it, again, you love them. I, I certainly don't want to give the impression that I don't adore my kids, of course, but I remember looking at them. I remember one morning in particular looking at them and I'd made them breakfast and I felt like their babysitter and I just wanted their parents to come home. You know, I just felt like, what am I, what am I done with? Like, they feel like strangers to me. I was looking at the top of their heads as they were all sitting there eating breakfast and they weren't doing anything wrong. They were just, you know, it was just, I was facing down another long day of responsibility and of just the, the monotony of feeding and laundry and cleaning and, and being touched all the time. I mean, my God, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. That scene when she's just trying to masturbate, I'm just going to say it. And <laughs> let's talk about that. <laughs> if ever there was a single mom scene, that's, yes, that's the one. So I'll, Amelia just finally finds a moment <laughs> to pull out her vibrator and she's got it put away. Like it's like, it's a gun in the house. Like she's got it hidden away in this box and she's just like tiptoeing you know praying to god or whatever that he doesn't wake up and she's she's just about there when she's masturbating and just right at the end he comes in and screams mom in her her face and i just about cried for her i thought not even she can't even do that eh she can't even can't even do that I it was yeah and that's what it's like isn't it like you just want even even an hour you just want one hour out of a week or a month or anything yeah where you can have time to not just be by yourself but be an adult by yourself yes and go hey who am I what do I like yeah what do I, what do I want to try today? What do I want to do? That's right. Yeah. It's almost like you're not being by yourself. It's just being yourself, like being the person who you are, because the reality is motherhood is a role. It's not your identity. It's one of your roles. And I love that role, but I also get to have all these other ones too. And that took me, I mean, when, when my kids grew up, I did, I I realized I didn't even know what I liked on my pizza because I had been 
I, I, I mean, I was 21 when I had my oldest. So I was, and I was on my own, you know, by the time I was 30. So I really had no idea how to be an adult alone. And that's the thing, again, with the Babadook that she doesn't, like when somebody asked her at one point, oh, didn't you used to be a writer? And she mentions having done some freelance work. And again, Essie Davis, what a fantastic actress, because what a fantastic facial actress, because she doesn't actually say much. She says everything in a very polite voice. Oh yeah, you know, I used to do some freelance work for magazines, but the longing there to reconnect with that is just in two sentences. You just feel how she's lost even that, even that part of herself, that identity. And it's, uh, and then of course the Babadook comes and that's, uh, things really get worse when uh, the Babadook shows up. So do you want to tell us a little bit about the transformation that happens in the movie? Okay, so in a technical sense, what we see with this particular movie is at sort of the, the first third mark, which is where most movies will have one of their major turns. Mm -hmm. uh, we have the presence of the Babadook actually become tangible. Mm -hmm which is amazing because we go from having this look that yes. is it's a little bit creepy. You yes. Know, you don't want to show your kids things that are creepy right before they go to bed because mm -hmm. as you and I know, the second that happens, they do not go to bed. No, exactly. And all you want is for them to go to bed. That's really the ultimate goal of parenting. Go to sleep. You know, <laughs> I mean, you love them. You of love course. them. Oh, yes. Them. Let me just say that again blankets yeah. we love our children absolutely when they go to bed it's really nice you know yeah it's like just please go to sleep because it's not even that you get an hour to yourself it's that you are just spending a moment not being needed by Something one person who whatever, needs yes. you yeah absolutely um you know you can kind of shut off that portion of your brain where you know someone needs you 24 7 oh yeah um uh, so we have this this turn from we have this book in the house it's not very nice and it goes from being this creepy little pop-up book a couple of noises banging around to yeah. there's something really wrong here oh yeah there is a babadook now we don't know what the babadook is we don't really know why it's there all we know is that it is physically present yes and we know it is menacing. Yes. And then as we go through that middle section of the film, we learn more about it. And we see that it is a broad-shouldered creature, which mm -hmm. is actually quite important in this. With a hat. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And a coat. And also has very long fingernails, uh, which is very pretty Krugerish. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the stuff of nightmares. Yes. And uh, it becomes a, a visible presence to Samuel. Yes. Which is interesting. Oh, I think that's the, Samuel is, in a, is a huge, an impressively empathetic kid 
for as difficult as he is and he sees that's the thing he sees more than everybody else sees and it's an exhausting it's an exhausting position to be put in as a child to just see everything and so he when he does see the babadook um you know it eventually he he senses danger for his mother specifically for himself of course as well but for his mother he knows something's wrong he keeps telling her to not let the babadook in actually i just gave myself chills because that was that was a real when he just keeps begging her don't let it in don't let it in don't let it in and that's so that felt very important to me again i i don't i could have just been i was very emotional <laughs> in the whole movie but it it there's a switch that happens um where the babadook does take over amelia it, absolutely and that kind of happens in the next sort of twist about two yes. thirds of the way through where we see that Samuel is, you know, he's seeing his mother deteriorate mm -hmm. just through exhaustion um, because things aren't going well for him, things aren't going well for her. And, but we have oh, this moment. Oh, yeah, sorry, we should also mention, I just thought about this. He's not in school. He's, they, right, they he's been take him out. out of school. Yeah, so he's, he's been basically kicked out of school. She, which means that she really can't even leave him with someone for work because he's causing problems. Um, wherever he goes because he's he's constantly talking about the Babadook and, and he's you know freaking out his cousin and his aunt doesn't want him there. So she has now been well and truly sequestered with him. They are basically living in isolation, the two of them, in the house. So that's what's sort of going on before before the the takeover. Uh, she's like yeah. you said, she's exhausted. She stops feeding him. That was yeah, that was yeah. a tough scene to watch when he asks her for food and she has actually gone to a doctor um because she decides it's probably a good idea to medicate him to get him to sleep and the medication's making him sick and he comes to her this scene really got me again uh he comes to her just to say like i think i need to eat something mommy and she won't help him and she says why don't you just eat shit and that's that's when things that seemed to me to be when, you know, her shift in particular started to really, uh, really happen because she was sort of not believing, of course, as always happens, she doesn't really believe. And then when she does start seeing things, she's still not really believing herself, she's not trusting herself. And then this, this shift happens where it's now on some level her against Samuel is that absolutely yeah i was just yeah. gonna say is that a fair yeah absolutely and yeah. you know this yourself you're not supposed to believe in the same monsters as your kids mm -hmm. you're supposed to tell them the ghosts aren't there that's the right man's not there there's no such thing as vampires the zombies i'm not gonna hurt you i'm not gonna die you know all of that's those it. things yeah yeah and so she's in a way she's not allowed to see the babadook even though she knows stuff's happening mm -hmm. she's not allowed and as a mother, so true. that's you, a good point. Yeah, you have to shut off certain things. You have to shut off your own warning systems of you're exhausted. You need to eat. You need to cry. You need to mourn. You need to feel fragile because mm -hmm. you're not allowed to have those moments. No. You've got kids to look after. No, exactly. You know, and I'm sure you I'm, I'm guessing I'm going to take a, a, an educated guess. And you have probably heard at some point. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it, right? And the truth yeah. is, 
I don't have a choice. Yes. It, that it's not like I'm deciding to do it. And that's where Amelia's at. She's not deciding, oh, I'm going to be, a, you know, I'm going to raise my son on my own and I'm going to do it, do a great job. You just, you survive. It's, it's, and sometimes, and this is what really got to me when she does say, why don't you just eat shit? When she, and that's her, she's just not doing it. And I think not so extreme, of course, but I think we've all had certainly you're you're in a younger stage so maybe not but i remember i certainly had moments where i i just couldn't do it and i just yeah. and it's it's a really scary feeling to not to re, and it's and what you really see then is that samuel as much as he felt like this larger than life presence and he was the biggest thing in that house you know like his needs were the biggest things in the house and then all of a sudden you see that he's a little boy who is vulnerable and needs his mom, as he says, I'll protect you. I promise to protect you if you promise to protect me. Oh, uh, didn't that, that just get you? Oh, there were two sentences in that movie and we'll get to the other one later. That one got me and that she, even when he says like, I love you, she says me too. And she can't really, you know, she can't really connect and, and as, a, as a fellow mom, and a single mom especially, you really feel for her. But then all of a sudden, and I certainly at the beginning of the movie, like I said, I was frustrated with him. I was like, your mom is so tired, give her a break. And then there's something that happens when she just won't feed him where you're like, that's a little boy. And he, she might be isolated. He's really isolated. He has no yeah. one to go to for help. He's in that house with his mom who needs to protect him and she's, she's gone, you know? So that was, uh, that was oh, so, so beautifully done because it really, it really was such a gut punch, you know? Absolutely. I mean, Jennifer Kent is literally one of my favorite filmmakers in the entire world at the moment. And it's not just because she's a fellow Australian. Yes. Um, she is an incredible filmmaker both this and the nightingale which is her second feature are so brutally honest yeah they are so they have these moments that just they they almost hurt they are so visceral oh yeah um you know and she's so and, spare with everything too you know like there's not there's not a wasted scene in that whole movie and that is there's there's no filler there's just everything the writing is so brilliant and so like I said so sparse like she just it's I haven't actually seen the nightingale I'm going to um you, because uh, I really love have this. a friend with you honestly oh, take oh, a oh. friend and and watch the uncut version oh really okay I will actually the nightingale uncut I'm actually gonna write that down while we're chatting so let's talk about um, cause I don't want to forget. Let's talk about that. The sort of second switch when Amelia is overtaken by the Babadook. Right. So the scene that we've just spoken about is actually the first time that we see that switch mm. has occurred. We have that moment immediately prior where she's at the doctor's office yeah. and she gets, she, she, she begs yes. the doctor for, the uh, sedative prescription for Samuel. And she says, 
he hasn't slept in a week he just needs to sleep yeah and the doctor you can see the doctor's going mm, yeah i don't like tranquilizing kids yes. you know, and and, and he even explains that. the side effects and she's like that's fine yeah <laughs> that's that's and, fine you know as a mom like just a mom in general there are mums who dope their kids oh god yeah you know yeah i don't know do you have finergan over there I know we probably, I'm sure we have some, some Canadian version of it. That's the same thing. I, I you know, but you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. See. It, it's meant to be for air travel uh, um, to make you not nauseous or something, but people use it to knock their kids out. So we have something called, I don't think it's as intense, but some, I'm about to admit some uh, yet another wonderful parenting moment of mine. Gravel is just gravel. Okay. So it's, Again, it's supposed to be like an anti-nauseant, I guess. And mm -hmm. once, once, when my son was about, my oldest son was about 10 months old and he had, my children did not sleep. Like I still, to this day, will wake up in the middle of the night and realize oh, yeah. I'm allowed to go back to sleep. And I smile my way back to sleep. I'm like, I can just go back to sleep. It's, it is a, a miracle but anyway so what my mother actually said why don't you give him a little bit of gravel and help him sleep and I was really I was like I don't really feel comfortable with this I was very you know natural with my kids or whatever and I gave him a little tiny bit of gravel and I was so excited put him down to sleep he was he was he was the Babadook he, oh even affect him he, he was fine he just was up all night and he could say mama from his and he was like mama mama I was like you are an unnatural beast I love you you're very cute but there is something unnatural about you you did not fall asleep so I never did it again so that was that was the end of that but back to poor Samuel I'm sorry for my little aside no, <laughs> I, I mean, that's the stuff that we need to talk about. You know, we yes. have those moments of what if I just, yes. you know, what if I just, because I just need to sleep. And it's true as a mom, yeah. you have to sleep because you have a little person depending on you. Absolutely. And if you're not sane and you're not healthy and you don't have enough rest to at least function. That's right. To the point where you can drive safely where you can cook food safely. Oh, yeah. You also have an ear out for little climbing hands or pulling hands yes. or smacking hands. Oh. Then, then you have those moments of, what if I just... What if I just you know? give this little demon a gravel? <laughs> and he's, yes. And so I never did it with the other ones because that's I think that's why they all slept with me because I was like, they might be in my bed, but they'll sleep and then I can kind of sleep. So we had one, you know, and that's, and, and that's the thing, Amelia in this movie, that's sort of like half opened eyes, just zombie, like you said, still face. She is so exhausted. She cannot emote anymore. And I don't think we take sleep deprivation seriously with mom, with moms. I'm going to get up on my little soapbox. I think we make jokes about it and, oh, poor moms. They're so tired. They're so tired. That's an actual safety issue for everyone in the family. Like it's, they have for to everyone get on the road. Every, exactly. Every, it, it's a massive thing. You're right. I agree with you. Yeah. Sleep deprivation is the new COVID. I said it. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't you say it. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't say it. It's fine. <laughs>
It's the old COVID. It's the old COVID. That's right. Yeah. It's it's so, you know, I, I'm sure you as well as, you know, as a mom have had moments where you're almost afraid of how tired you are. You know, where oh, you, you, you- I forgot how to drive while I was driving. Oh my God. I was, I, I had pulled out of my home. I had driven a block and a half and I was turning around a corner and as I got halfway around the corner, I just went, my hands are on the wheel oh and my, my feet are halfway through moving. What do I do? What happened? I went, I'm going to move one of my feet and see what happens. Oh my God. And I accelerated and I went, okay, this is working. This car's a manual. What gear am I in? Uh, which is a stick in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick no, I know, man. Um, yeah, so I, I shifted it up a gear and I turned and I went, this is right. My brain will kick in in a minute. And then God. I sort of drove a bit further and I went, okay, this is working. If I just keep doing this, I'll get to where I need to go. Because I could remember where I needed to go. I just couldn't remember the physical motions of oh. how to do it. And, and just and, think about what could have happened. Oh, I was, I was turning on a road and if I had not turned I would have hit a railway that was literally the rail line was behind a chicken wire fence maybe two two and a half meters so that's roughly um Wait, I'm, like I'm Canadian I, it's away. okay I'm Canadian yeah. I know meters <laughs> yeah so yeah you know yeah. um it's 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 you know one and a half body lengths away wow. and had that and it was an active train line and again, like I said, I, I do get very tired of the jokes about, you know, mommy brain. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's a real problem. It's a real genuine safety issue. And, but again, but at the same time, what do you do? You know, I mean. Ideally, you have someone there. Yes. Who will say, hey you look tired and you trust me with your baby. Yes. How absolutely. about we sit in the same house for two hours yes. and you shut your eyes? That's actually, you know what? We have this program here that once um, things open up a little bit more, I'd like to join. And it's, it's exactly that where you can volunteer and you can go and moms can sign up for it. It's free. And new moms, especially if they have twins or they've got like an older kid or something like that, they, anybody can sign up for it who's struggling. And you go for four hours a week and you just sit in the house with their little one while they nap, while they shower, while they or play with their toddler so they can do something. And I was all, I, I love this idea. It is, I think it's called Cradle Link here. And it is just to, it's just people who volunteer it's usually moms like me who have raised our kids and remember what it feels like to be so exhausted that you scare yourself um so yeah it's I think it's a genius idea I think you know imagine just having someone come four hours a week and saying you don't have to keep me company go lie down actually get under the blankets and for two hours or whatever uh, for twice a week just sleep I mean four hours isn't really enough but you know it's something compared to what you're getting in the average day when you've got a newborn four mm -hmm. hours is amazing I think so and I think there's also something to be said for having something to look forward to 
that you yes. know, you know, like, oh, so-and-so is coming on Tuesday from three until five. I can have sleep from three until five. And, and, and it's somebody, like you said, that who you trust with your, with your baby. And speaking of trust, let's get back to the actual culmination. <laughs> I, I, I love it. I love a sidebar. This is great. It's that's the whole point. Absolutely. So, okay. Yeah. So Amelia, so you, we are, uh, Amelia's at the doctor's office. She's begged the doctor for this prescription. We see the doctor kind of saying, I don't really like doping kids. Yeah. And Amelia says, I'm not sleeping either. And I need to sleep. Mm -hmm please give me the prescription. The doctor says there's all these side effects. Parents hear them. They don't really like them. And she says, they sound great. Give me I, the paper. You can vomit. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You know, nausea, whatever. Just go for it. Um, and uh, so she takes it home. Samuel has the pill and we see her sleep. Yeah. And as moms, I'm, I'm sure you had this moment as well. You go, oh, she's yeah. just had a full night's sleep. Everything's going to be okay. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and she comes downstairs with that big smile on her face. And it's, da -da -da. it's oh, 11 a.m. Yeah. I've just woken up. My child is still asleep. Oh. The world is bright and sunshiny. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. And that's how we know that something's really wrong. Yes, of course. Things are going too well. Yeah. Well, we know that she's had a sleep. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing we see is her lying on the bed like she's got a really bad case of clinical depression mm. and telling her kid to eat shit. That's right. Yeah. And we know as mums that if you've just had like a 13-hour sleep. Oh, yeah. You're an angel. You You're a sweetheart. After 13 oh, yeah. hours? Oh, yeah. Like, you're not pretending to be mum of the year anymore. You actually are mum of the year for exactly. a day. Exactly. Exactly. It's all it takes. Yeah. Um, but that's how we know that the Babadook is there. Yes. Because Amelia is not mum of the year for the next seven or eight hours or whatever it is in her no. day. She's fallen back into that state, which looks like post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, you know, whatever horrible thing is, is uh, you know, we thought might have been manifesting inside of her from her trauma, her compound trauma. Yes. Um, and that's when we see Samuel as well reacting more and more like a little boy. Yeah. And we have greater sympathy for him because oh. he can no longer fight this mother. He, oh, sorry, he can no longer fight this monster because it has become his mother. Yeah. That's really, that, that was the switch that really, as I said, it really took me by surprise how anti-Samuel I was becoming in defense of her, you know, in defense, because I, I related to Amelia so deeply that I was angry at her child for her and that that's sort of the feedback she was getting from her sister even, you know, like her sister saying to her, you can't stand him either. That was another... That was another tough scene. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she can't, and she can't, you know, and then you realize, oh, this is a little child whose father has died. Father who's, who's never, as we, as we discover later, has never actually celebrated his birthday on his birthday because that's the day his father died. And he is living in a house with a, with a woman who's supposed to be his mother 
but as he says himself, you're not my mother when it starts to take over. Like he is recognizing it and he is left fully alone. She takes the batteries out of the phone when he tries, after he tries to call for help and she cuts the phone line and he is alone in that house with a monster who is his mom. And yeah, so, and now we can continue from there because that was, <laughs> Yeah, it, it becomes a big thing because you have um, the embodiment of the mother figure yeah. due to a child is effectively God. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, we, we can't ever lose sight of that. And as single parents, we, we certainly don't, you no. know, even on our worst days, we know our children think of us as those, you yeah. know, immortal, impressive, all-knowing, all-giving figures. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's I such a lie. We know it's such a oh, lie. Oh no, of course. And it's, and I think again, as single mothers, and I always feel guilty saying that because I'm certain I'm certainly not trying to take away from all mothers, the experiences of all mothers, of course. It, it it's just that that's my that's the my experience informs me. And I have to say, because I didn't really have a lot of uh help from the uh from, from their dad. Um you also know the buck stops here, so there's not another god who's hanging around who can actually pick up some of the slack it's just you and I know my youngest son he you know when Samuel touches his mom's face that was my youngest son it was so sweet in the mornings he'd wake up and he'd touch my face and tell me I was beautiful and it drove me insane and I know that's horrible but I remember thinking like I just I still want to sleep and of course then he gets older and as the you know as the cliche goes I would have done anything for him to touch my face and tell me I was beautiful. But when he was little, it's just more touching. You're just getting touched more. And, you know, and it's, so it was, um, but you do realize that like, you're it, you know, even, even now, you know, they're, they're grown men. And if they're in a jam, I'm it, you know, and that doesn't, that doesn't go away. And it's, and I think that's the thing that really in this movie you see is the unendingness of it all. That she's looking at this yes. yawning future with this child she can't let herself love. That she's like, and this is going to be me forever. It's going to be me and this kid forever. And yeah. yeah. And she hasn't processed the trauma of her husband's death. No, no. You know, and so, and we know that she's never really let her son know who his father was. Yeah. Because of how deep her trauma is. He's not allowed to touch anything. He doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know, you know, he he doesn't seem to know anything about his dad. There's no sort of um, photos around the house as well. No. They're all sort of just airy fairy pictures. Um, So there's a real absence of, um the father's presence and that is why the babadook looks the way it does yes that makes sense and actually until you said it i didn't really make that connection the broad shoulders the broad shoulders the tall hat which is shown in the basement as well the big coat Mm -hmm. it's a masculine figure it is the manifestation of the compounded grief yes of not just losing the husband the dearly loved husband we do need to add that as well yes we do. Um, 
but also it comes through in a children's book, a story that she should be telling to her son. Mm-hmm. That's so good. That's so true that he needs, he needs a story of his dad. And actually there's, you know, we, as, as he sort of gets left alone with the Babadook slash his mom, and you start seeing that, you know, he, he does say, and I think that might be earlier in the movie, he does say, don't worry, dad, I'll protect mom that he's trying to take over this role that he doesn't really understand himself. And, and he's picked on because he doesn't have a dad, uh, which is, I can't even fathom a child saying that to another. When you have that still face and you have that remoteness from your kid, they can tell. And that's, I think, why they're bratty sometimes. They know that you're not really connecting with them. You're not there. And I think anyways, I know with, with my kids and I've, I've certainly seen it with other people where they know that you have something in you that's, that's keeping you, there's a block up. And that was, whew, that was, that was very powerful. Look, I agree with you. I think kids know, and I know that with my own eight-year-old, even now, if she's acting up, if she's being really super clingy, if she's being very emotional. I mean, she's a kid with big emotions. Yeah. That's just part of who she is. And I love that she's able to kind of explore that now that she's yeah. a little bit older and we have tools that we use. But I know that if our tools aren't working and she's still kind of being whatever, yeah. sometimes all she needs is for me to say, what do you need right now mm-hmm. to listen and then be fully involved in whatever she wants for even 10 minutes? Exactly. Exactly. They just, again, it's, I'm going to take it back. It's, it's eye contact. It's like, they want to see in your face that you're there with them. And, yeah. you know, it's funny. I remember, so this, I'm, I'm going to share this story because it actually has to me so much to do with this. It was something I saw in a park years ago. And it was this woman who was at the park and she was with, I could, I was eavesdropping like a, like writers do. I'm sorry, writers, you know, I, I was journal, I was writing in my journal and exactly. If, if someone's writing in their journal close to you, a little heads up, you might want to walk away and not have a private conversation because it's what you do. So I was kind of watching this woman and her little boy and I think, yeah, it was a little boy and a new boyfriend and she was fake playing with her child for, and I could see it, you know, it was yeah. very, it was very phony. And she just, she was looking back to this boyfriend to see if he, you know what I mean? Like, look at, look at us, like, look at how yeah. cute we are. And sort of like a salesmanship thing. Like, look, you know, if you would get this wonderful family, you know, for the low, low price of whatever. And exactly. It's gross. And I think, it's it happens um oh it does uh, it yeah. oh, stories i have stories yeah. i'm not gonna tell them but i have stories yeah this person's a stranger and i don't even know her name so we're, we're safe with this one so <laughs> running around the park faking it fully faking it and this guy's on his phone he doesn't care you know he's he's not looking he's he's whatever and then i actually got to see the moment that happens in this movie that the switchover when you let them in and when you let your kid in and she all of a sudden was actually playing tag with this kid and she 
And I just saw it. I saw she doesn't care. Just in that split second. It's I, I can't remember when the little boy did something like he kind of ran up and tickled her or something and she laughed. And then all of a sudden it wasn't for an audience. It was just for them. And she didn't and she let him in like Amelia with Samuel. Like she really when she sort of when the Babadook. You, you ex, maybe you explain the scene um, because you do it better than I can when you know when when the Babadook is quote unquote defeated oh okay yeah. uh so is that's the one where she's roped in the basement that's it? exactly right and then he has just said to her i know you don't love me the babadook won't let you but yeah. i love you um so she is i mean she's virtually uh behaving like she's possessed by a demon at this yes. point she is growling she's snarling she's screaming yeah and this little boy, we're seeing him as a little boy at this point, a frail, oh, yeah. fragmented, terrified in the corner little boy. Mm -hmm. And he comes over to her and he just, and we've seen this earlier in the movie where all he wants to do is touch her face. Oh yeah, that's right. Ugh. You know, that earlier moment where he touches her face and she responds really sweetly and then he hugs her and she responds really sweetly. And then he does something. And as a mum, I suspect what he does, I don't know if you have the same suspicion, but something in their body movement changes. And she says, I've told you not to do that. Yes, and yes, yes, yes. This instant push. Um, so we, we know at that point that Samuel loves to touch her face, that she loves her face being touched, but she's also what you know one of my friends says all touched out she, yes absolutely she, yeah there's certainly there's, yeah, there's some touch that she's she doesn't feel like yeah for sure yeah. but we're at this point where amelia is fully possessed and um or, or you know the babadook is manifesting yes. um and he touches her face mm. and we see in that moment from this um, exaggerated, uh, it's still Essie Davis's face, um, to be clear. There's yes. no prosthetics that I saw. No, no. Um, and she's doing an amazing job. I mean, you couldn't do that job the way she did it if you had an ounce of Botox in your face. No, that's so true. Actually, that's a very good point because she's fully emotes everything and it's and her eyes even look because she has quite dark eyes. Mm. And I don't know if they've, I don't know if it's just something they've done, but like her eyes look so dark and, oh, it's fantastic. She does such a yeah. great job. Um, but she goes from being this, this monster to having her face touch and you see almost this, and again, it's not CGI, but almost this melting mm -hmm. of everything that she's been manifesting. And we just see her breaking. Yeah. And it's, it is that moment as a mum where you suddenly stop yeah. and you say, oh, I need to connect with my kid. Yeah. And I actually really love this person. It's not, yeah. you know, they're not just a job. They, I actually really love them. And that's, it's an important, it's, I mean, my God, it's, it doesn't happen all the time, but when it does, you know, you let yeah. them in and it's, it was beautifully beautifully done and she but I actually thought the end like so 
again, she, she sort of has this moment. Sorry, I'm skipping yeah, through. Go, 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 go. I'm go. just so excited <laughs> about talking about it. Um, but when she has that sort of moment, you know, it's not like, oh, there we go. Everything's done and everything's perfect. Mm. It's really to, not. Do you want to explain where the Babadook is by the end of the movie? So by the end of the movie, um, we realized that the basement mm-hmm. where she's been storing all of her husband's things that she hasn't dealt with. There's That's baby right. stuff down there as well that she hasn't dealt with, which represents all of the collective trauma of that time period, which has just been compounded and compounded. And she obviously hasn't had any processing time um, or any uh, real assistance with it because we see all these walls are still up. And that's where the Babadook lives. Yep, exactly. Um, and continues to live. Uh, yes. He, he, it, she expels him from her, from her spirit or whatever, but like he's down there. And she's yeah. got to feed him and she's got to take care of him because he's not going away. Yeah. And she, but and she I, does, yeah. Yeah. I always think of this line from a Catatonia song, which shows my age, my very particular <laughs> age. Um, but uh, it is uh, when faced with my demons, I clothe them and feed them. Yes. Yeah. And that's exactly, instead of it just being like, okay, well, that's done. She's going to have to take care of that because she has this, as you said, this compounded trauma. But the thing that I thought was so interesting was when she actually says to Samuel, you go outside, I'll let you know when it's safe to come back in. Yeah. And then she gives him a little birthday party there's a little bit more sunshine. I mean, the, the doom and gloom it's released. I would say a significant amount, but the thing that really is happening is that she and Samuel are now a team and there is, she loves him and she sees him. And it's just, it was such uh, Oh God, it was so simply done. And so beautiful. And I don't mean simply, I mean, effectively effectively thank you effectively done that it just boy it was just even that scene where he's finally showing her a magic trick you know and he's always like you know nothing in my hands nothing in my hands and he was always doing that and she's like yeah I know nothing in your hands like I'm trying to get you ready for school at the beginning of the movie and then when he finally does do it again and they're outside they're sort of getting ready for his birthday party she's just i think she's just fed the babadook which still frightens her there's still a moment of genuine terror in the basement that she's going to have to deal with as people with trauma do for the rest of her life i mean that's that's the unfortunate thing but then she goes outside and he's showing her his magic trick and she looks at him this time and he does this great little magic trick and she's like that's so that's so clever. You're so amazing. And they have this lovely sort of embrace. And it was I, a happy ending to an extent, you know, like it was really, really lovely. Um, yeah. yeah, I think it's the happiest ending that they could have had. I mean, you've now got this history where you've got a little boy who was born on the night that his father was violently killed. We do okay. see spoiler alert the decapitation that's right one point that's right that's right um and that he would have been in the driver's seat while amelia would have been in the passenger seat Mm -hmm. so she would have seen 
the husband. the man her husband. Yeah. her husband who she loved and who was the father of the child who she was literally in labor with and his head sliced off like this and just oh yeah down it goes trauma and and being in that car accident herself as well being in yeah. labor i mean you know as a mom when you're in those final stages that baby you you just want to you know literally wrap yourself in bubble wrap every day oh absolutely you know, you know that if something goes wrong that's yeah. it yeah exactly you know that little oh. person is so close and then and there is that um, feeling of like i've been protecting them in my body and now they're outside and i don't know how to you know keep them safe like you said in bubble wrap no it's so she's going to be dealing with that for the rest of her life, but she's actually dealing with it now is the, is the thing. So I have to ask you as you know, because we did have a chat before about choosing a, a movie about single moms. So what was it about this specific movie? I remember you had said to me, you know, that's the one that you most identify with. So what was it about like in an, an all encompassing, you know, what was it about your experience that you feel translated to uh, to the Babadook? Just that day on, you know, day on day, day in, day out, constant being needed. I mean, yeah. as I say, my daughter was 10 months old. Yeah, that's young. That's really young. Um, and uh, as I said, there were difficult circumstances. Um, and um I feel that there were traumatic circumstances, uh, possibly even for all three of us yes. surrounding the separation. Um, you know, I'd like to be able to say that, you know, I'm the total victim in it. My daughter's the total victim in it. It's not the case. I don't believe that. Um, and, you know, my daughter would scream herself to sleep. My daughter would you know, there were times when um, uh, I had to not be with her and she would literally grab at my skin and pull and twist in an effort to stay with me. Um, there were times when I was physically attacked while I was holding her. Oh, God. Um, mm. And so when she needed me, she needed me. Yeah. You know, and so for me, relating to Amelia, where she has a son who needs her, and it's not an option because there is so much trauma, not just for Amelia, but for him as well, you know, yeah. um, and having that day in, day out needing. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it really, uh, even watching it again now for the second time, it, there are still those moments where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to stop. I'm going to press pause. I'm going to yeah. mentally take myself out of this movie and then I'm going to resume watching. Oh, I, I found it um, for exactly the same reason. I found it uh, so real that it was almost a bit traumatizing, <laughs> to be honest. It, yeah. was, it was, And I don't mean the horror element of it. I mean, usually I'm a big chicken about horror movies, but this it was just because it, I was so, so much back in that, those days when the kids felt like my boss and they felt like they were in charge of everything and I didn't want it. And, you know, and again, 
I just, and I was so touched all the time. Like one of my sons used to sleep like we were in the shape of a T and he would put his feet on my spine and curl his toes into my spine when he, when he slept, because that's just how he liked to sleep. And the other one would wrap himself around my legs. Like it just that for some reason, like I said, that arm, that little tiny arm around her neck, which in another situation looks very sweet and loving they did such a good job of making it just, again, I think it's her still face, as you said, seeing that she's just trapped and in her, within just by her child, but also in her trauma and she's all alone. And we should mention at the, at the end of the movie, the neighbor who is always offering to spend time with, with Samuel and really loves him and really thinks he's a sweetheart and he, he really loves her too. She's actually watching him after school when when uh, Amelia comes home from work and there's a much more cheerful vibe you know they're kind of watching out the window for her and it's very so she's letting people in to help a little bit I think as well and but that is yeah that's uh it was a very good choice Bernie I have to say it wasn't an easy watch but it was it was a very a very very good choice um Thank you. I'm glad that you got uh, so much out of it, oh, even though it was obviously difficult. Um, no. That's what horror is. Absolutely. You know? It's difficult, but there is so much honesty that can be found in it. Oh, I 100% agree. And do you want to tell us a little bit about what you about what you do for a living, actually? Like, I'm going to be including a bio um, in uh, on when the podcast drops, we'll we'll have a bio, of course, and uh, links for you. But do you want to just give people a little idea of what you do? Sure. So um, I have what I call my you know bread and butter. I write corporate things. I write websites. I do uh, training documents, and it's all sure. very um, it's great for bringing the money in. Yes. But I also, <laughs> I also yeah, I'm a single mom. Let's be realistic. Mm -hmm. I also write uh, feature films, uh, predominantly in genre. Um, horror is obviously my jam. Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I've had a couple of um, competition sort of noteworthy positions, which has been fantastic. Um, I have actually just finished the final draft or what we think is the final draft um, in development for a thriller, which is really exciting. Um, the director's happy with it. Yeah, the producer's happy with it. So, um, and these are, this is a director and a producer who have each done uh, just low budget films before, but this is, you know, not their first rodeo. Sure. So hopefully things will go really well over the next couple of weeks and you'll be able to hear a lot more from me oh that's so exciting bernie that's amazing oh my gosh i uh yeah like i'm i you've sort of made a believer of me of, of the horror genre i have to say um it was it was excellent and before we before we sign off um i'd like to end every episode of the podcast with a little positive note about being a single mom because again we've talked about how difficult it is and it's you know it's 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 traumatic and it's frustrating and everything but there are a lot of really lovely elements of it as well and so if you if you can think of a little moment with your daughter or something that because I think I, I'd love to give people who are maybe new to the journey of being a single mom I don't want to scare the hell out of them you know it's 
it's not, I know that we just sat here and talked for an hour-ish about how difficult it is, but you know, there's, there are real blessings within that trauma as well. And there's real deep connection. So if you have a little moment you'd like to share, that would be great. I mean, my favorite things aren't even moments. They're, I guess, ways of operating. Um, yeah. You know, if you're the only person in the house, it's hard to make that judgment call day in and day out, but you get to do it. Exactly. Exactly. You know? Yeah. You don't have to answer to anyone. No, you don't, you don't have to, just, nobody else can pick what's on TV. I love that. Yes. You know, and no like, one else to say, I don't want to eat that for dinner. Yeah. You know, you got to deal with your kids. Sure. But absolutely. you, yeah. And, and they're going to be children because yeah. that's what they are. But you know that you can prepare something simple for them if you don't, if they don't like what you planned. Whereas when you have another adult in the house, Might be they may expect more from you. you yeah. Know? Um, but there's no other adult in the house. So yeah, they're, they're absolutely. I agree. And I remember one of my sort of positive moments when I first became a single mom um, was, this is going to sound so dumb but taking out the garbage <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know this is dumb I remember this is so stupid no, no, no. I want to hear this I but hear I remember getting so frustrated with my ex-husband because that was one of his roles right like it was he it was his turn to do the garbage and it became this dumb thing where you're fighting all the time over who's taking out the freaking garbage and the first time I took it out, I was like, oh, it doesn't have to be an argument. I'm just going to do it myself. And actually taking out the garbage myself is so much easier than having this stupid fight all the time. And that sort of became like, a, I get to decide. I get to decide when the garbage goes out. And it turns out, you know, it wasn't so bad. There are other things I promise on other podcasts, I will share much deeper, more meaningful, wonderful things that have, that have come to my life from being a single mom, but truly just taking out the garbage and not begging somebody else to do it. Highly, highly recommend, you know, it's not, it's not the worst thing in the world. No, I, look, I mow my own lawns. Yeah. I put yeah. together my own furniture, you know, it, it's, you think it's going to be a big deal and then you do it and you're like, oh, oh no. I can, yeah, I can just do this. You just know what you a, can do. Yeah, that's it. This is good. And B, what were they complaining about all this time? Yeah. Yeah, you big baby. Oh, sorry. That was mean. But yeah. Oh, well, I'm <laughs> that in. I don't care. Okay. Well, Bernie, this was so, so fun. I had such a good time. I loved I loved slash was traumatized by the movie, but it was, I really do think if anybody wants to watch a movie, a single mom, especially where you feel a bit seen and you, and, and again, there's a really positive outcome when she does let her son in that I think is such a payoff. It's so worth it. The acting is worth it. It's a beautiful movie. The Babadook, I think uh, here you can just watch it. If you've got Amazon prime, you can just watch it for free. It's really easy. So. Yep. And in Australia, it's playing on Netflix at the moment. Is it? Okay, perfect. Perfect. So uh, Bernie, thank you so, so much for being a guest on Single Moms on Film. This was really amazing. And, uh, you know, hopefully when, when we chatted, some other single moms are going to hear that and, and feel a little bit seen. And that's all we all really want is to feel seen. Absolutely. No, I've had so much fun. This has been so great.
thank you for chatting about the Babadook with me and best of luck with the podcast. Oh, thank book. you. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The book is, oh yeah, that's right. I'll, I'll promote my book another time. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, there's only, it's a very Canadian thing to under promote. It's very, it's very charming. It's uh, you know, we're just well, like, I'll oh, come on. Yes. <laughs> so it's uh, yes, but we'll, we'll discuss that on the next podcast, but thank you so much, Bernie. And we'll talk soon. Thank you, Jen. Bye.